0: Into the deal this last week, Dan Hagerty told me that uh, he remembers way back when he uh, was in grade school that I told him about the birds and the bees. I think you got a lot more truth than I gave Dan. I still have no idea about the birds and the bees, but I and I I think I haven't grown in that area. But uh, we want to encourage you, we are coming to the end of the book of Ephesians today. Uh, We are also coming to the end of this section on spiritual warfare and we are going to kind of summarize and capsulize this. Now remember, uh, the part that I am picking up is Paul's uh, ending at this point and it's not just the ending for demonic and spiritual warfare. It is also the conclusion for the entire book of Ephesians. So we got to kind of come back just a little bit and do a summary real quickly of Ephesians. Ephesians is, uh, as every other epistle book, it's a story about Jesus Christ. It's a story about who he is, what he has accomplished, what he has finished, and, and so it goes on into who he is and then what he has made us as his children. He had, that he has inhabited mankind again so that man could have the presence of God within him the way we were designed. He then gives us a, a confirmation that we are made after the holiness and the righteousness of God. We have all that we need. We don't have to get out here and perform and get into all the religious acts and put on all the different garments of religion. We're safe enough to just be who we are as God's children. And then he brings in the practical application. How is this applied into your marriage? How is it supplied and applied into your parenting and uh, your, your uh being a child, how is it applied into your workforce, all the different places that this principle is applied. And then he comes into a place where he starts in Ephesians at the end where we talked on spiritual warfare, where it basically says, don't be ignorant now of the schemes of the devil. Steve started out with a good illustration of the story of David and Goliath. Now the story about David and Goliath we read, we like it as a kid because you get to go ahead and see some conquering done and all the different things but I want to help you realize that story about David and Goliath is as real today if you would apply the things that David applied. Man so often looks on the outward appearance. We look at the outward appearance of the physical. We look on the outward appearance of everything out here and God says I don't look on the outside. I look on the Part. I look on the inner part of a person. David did not, when he came out in his boldness, he, uh, it wasn't that he was crazy or lunatic. He just simply didn't look through the eyes that we usually look to, through. Everybody else was looking at a nine foot six inch giant over here. Big, bad, challenging everybody. David did not see that. David looked on the inside and all he saw was, here is a stupid being Worshipping a fake God and challenging us on it. And so he comes with the real answer. He comes knowing that he's a child of the real God. And he comes, and by faith, the story goes that he basically anna- annihilates him. He didn't even guess that he would annihilate him because he picked up four other stones before he went because he knew once I knocked this guy down, Goliath has four brothers. So the four other stones, anybody else wants to step out against my God, he's a goner. That's the story. We've been given weapons. Uh, By the way, your weapons of warfare, the armor that you have, is literally God's armor that has been given to us. The, The weapons are different names of God. You can find the names of God in every one of the armors. It's who he is. We're simply putting on God. It has been put on us. God is on us. Nancy uh, encouraged me. I Sorry, hon, I forgot totally about it. Anybody in here seen Iron Man? Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3? My goodness, you guys are asleep. I don't know what the deal is. First service saw, everybody had seen it. For those of you that have not seen it, get a life. Okay? <laughs> Watch it. Iron Man puts on this outfit, this suit, and because of this uh, dilly datter I don't know what he called it, but it has light and it gives power, his suit just takes off and it can do all kinds of things. It can fly. It can just crush anything. But without it, it doesn't do anything. And we're going to talk today about how do you who possess... If you possess Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has called you to himself. You have surrendered your life to live life your way and said, I can't do this. I embrace you, letting Christ come into your life. You have been given the full armor of God. Now, what we want to do is say, How do you activate that armor? Because you can have the armor of God and not activate it, and you're in trouble. It's kind of now, it's kind of like just this heavy, heavy weaponry, and you're not using it. So, we are going to look at that. Before we start, I I want to make sure that because of what you've heard and all about the demonic and all about the power of the principalities and rulers and, and hierarchies, I want you to at least have a little bit of good news, folks. We win the battle. You have in your possession the armor of God that can actually wipe out this enemy. He has a strategy to destroy you, and his greatest strategy is with deception. And what he likes to do is to take and drive a wedge in between relationships with deception. The first wedge that he will drive in between it is he'll say, he is your enemy, or she is your enemy, or whoever it is, Some person, some flesh and blood is your enemy. And if you could get that enemy to change, you would be okay. That's a lie. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. He wants to divide. And he does so by deception. What we are going to try to do today is open up the scheme, equip our armor... And therefore, then the the answers, the fulfillment of the promises that I am going to share with you are yours. In Psalm 2, you had these enemies. They came before the God of the universe. They came before him, and they they got together with a well-conceived plot, and they said, let's come against him and his anointed. Let's wipe him out. The next verse in Psalm 2 says, God... It says, he that sits in the heavens enthroned above laughed. Thinking, who do you think you are? And he says that, I w- will I not take and crush and thrust you through? Will I not annihilate you and tear you apart? Will I not take you and smash you like earthenware on the floor? And then he says, this is the privilege of God's saints, his godly ones. Psalm 149 says that uh, there's been a sentence that's been executed against these demons. Way back in Genesis chapter 3 when the war took place, when man decided that he could be man apart from God and the separation came and the spirit of the holy God left man and man was left to try to become a man in and of himself. He became little teeny gods of his own mind. There was a prophecy made that he... Jesus already had or God had already promised Jesus and he said in that day he basically said I will crush him under his feet and at that time it says there was a sentence just like in a court of law that was executed against these demons and principalities and powers and he said it is sentence it's done it's like the devil came down and said you are executed the sentence has been done and then he said Basically, you and I have the honor to carry out this sentence against these beings, these spiritual beings. We get to basically put it into force. You and I. It says, because of the word of God in their hands and the high praises coming forth from their lips, we carry out the sentence that's been executed against these mini-gods, these false gods. We get that. Jesus hangs on the cross, and you got to remember what took place on the cross when he hung there and he sings out and sings out in terror and pain. And he says, To satisfy, it is finished. That prophecy is finished then my children have now become new creations i now inhabit their being they and i are one they are seated in the heavens just like me and every word that jesus spoke every demon had to shudder now has to shudder when you speak do you realize that he said in in colossians 2:15 he says and now he disarmed these rulers and these authorities and he made a public display of them hanging them in the streets you see, this was common knowledge back then because they knew the story of Nineveh and Jonah when the Ninevites would travel through the towns. Horrible, horrible people. They would come through and they would take somebody from every family and they would kill them. They would come into the Meyer family and they would wipe out one of yours and hang them in the street so you had to watch one of your children up there dead and you, they wouldn't take them down so people hated the Ninevites no wonder Jonah didn't want to go and this was the same word They, they put a public display of them in the streets but when Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished he basically turned the table and he says all you demons and principalities and powers and hierarchies and dominions it is done I got what I went after and this is the privilege of my holy ones we wipe them out they are already done I don't know if that thrills any of you. This is ours. Today, we are going to talk about something today that you can actually activate this armor. The armor gets activated. It now takes on its full power of what it meant to. But if you don't activate the armor, you sit here with this armor laying on you. It's heavy because the enemy will deceive you and call it condemnation. He will condemn you and say, oh, you don't have the faith. You have the faith. So how do we put it into action? I believe today I'm going to give you an exercise that if you will apply it today, you will see this released. You will see one practical, one practical illustration where the holiness of God will come in and transform something. Today we're going to use an illustration. You look like fairly smart people here. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Those of you that are parents or those of you that are grandparents. You walk in, you're coming into church, you decide whether you're gonna use a nursery or not use a nursery. So you walk over and there's a sign on the nursery door. Not just the nursery, all of the kids' doors. We are sorry for the inconvenience, but we have had a carbon monoxide leak. We cannot find it. It is strong. There is a 50-50 chance that your child will be uh, poisoned if you leave your child here? How many of you are leaving your child? Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe after last night. But how many are, are, would leave your children in one of these places? You're going to a restaurant. You're taking... Uh, uh, some great friends out, you pull up, the restaurant has a similar sign but it says, sorry, uh, we have had salmonella I can't ever pronounce that. That's why I'm so good at trades. People can guess what I'm trying to say. But you have food poisoning. Yeah, I can do that one. You get food poisoning. 50-50% chance that you are going to have food poisoning if you eat here. We cannot find where it's coming from. Are you going to another restaurant? We just came back from visiting our son in Hawaii and there's been a outrage of tiger shark attacks. They don't know why, they don't know why they're coming, but they've been uh, the most attacks from tiger sharks in the last uh, probably 3 years then the history whatever. And so here's what you're doing. You're going to take down go down to the beach, you're going to kind of hang around, bring your kids in the beach. There's a sign. Tiger tiger sharks 50/50 chance you will be bit by a tiger shark. You go on swimming See, I I told you you were pretty smart. And on the other hand, a little bit more true to life. 50 50 chance. Do you know that you have already taken that 50 50 chance if you are married or engaged to be married? you have a 50-50 chance that your marriage is going to separate and you're going to end in divorce, 50%. That's the same statistics I gave you over there. We dive into this, and we dive into marriages, we dive into these things, and we go into these things, 50-50 chance. Would, would you, if with those statistics, really, would you dive into this at a 50-50 chance? We have we have. This is not to condemn those of you that are getting married or are married or are divorced. Not at all. It is simply to show you a point here. I'm going to suggest something today that will move that from a 50-50 chance to less than 1%. Less than 1%. Don't you think it'd be pretty wise if we can basically reduce your odds of a relationship from 50-50 to less than 1%? By the way, Dr. Phil says it's one in 10,000. One in 10,000 would end in divorce if you did this one thing, one thing. Don't you think it'd be pretty smart that we listen and maybe bring application to this one thing? If you are not married, then if you are in a relationship, apply it to the relationship. If you're not in a relationship, apply it to your family. If you're not in a family, then apply it to your workplace. This works in all relationships. But the testing that has been done, that's been pretty, pretty uh, good testing, From all different types of centers, and the highest being uh, Dr. Phil in terms of the highest, meaning he has more uh, applicants out here, one in 10,000. One in 10,000. And we're going to disclose that in a few minutes of what you can do in your relationship. I think it would be pretty smart maybe to apply it, wouldn't you? Which brings us to our scripture today. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 we're going to start with verse 18 the end of this is just a conclusion of the book the conclusion of the book but he says this with all prayer pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints The word there literally means it's different than what we've been told praying uh, without ceasing. This word here is a word that says pray at all times as opportunity gives itself. As opportunity comes up, pray. Here's what we're going to look at. The scripture says that if you pray, you put into action You activate your faith by praying. The scripture says that your faith activates the armor of God. You want the armor of God activated in you so you basically have now turned on that that armor? You activate it by faith and faith is activated by prayer. And this is the conclusion he's saying. Now, back to our story. If you pray out loud on a regular basis, your chance go from 50-50 to less than 1% with your relationship. That's it. That's simple. You were looking for pretty, something pretty profound. You want to know how simple it is? I'm not going to embarrass anybody here. Anybody that I have ever talked to that has been divorced and i've asked the question did you guys pray together on a regular basis out loud zero zero i'm not talking about blessing the food okay that doesn't count now in light of that you're saying that's it that's all we got There are only two types of wisdom in this world. James says there's two types of wisdom. He reports to us. There's a wisdom from on high that is a heavenly wisdom that brings oneness and unity, and that wisdom is moved into action by humility, gentleness, by meekness, by being humble and surrendering yourself to saying, whatever it is you want, I surrender to you. I am willing to be humble. God is saying, pray, whenever the opportunity comes up, if you are wise and humble, you will basically kick into the action the one wisdom which basically will empower faith, which will basically activate your armor. The other verse says there's another type of wisdom, only two, there's not three, there's only two, This is motivated by arrogance. It's motivated by pride. I don't want to. I'm not going to. And it says, that is not only earthly, but it is demonic. Your wisdom is either heavenly or demonic. It's either from pride, which is demonic, or humility, which is heavenly. There are no in-betweens. I say that for this reason. You can say, I'm not going to pray out loud. Welcome to the demonic. Try to, ignite, try to ignite your armor against this. You've already heard from Stephen Pat what this enemy is. He is not very friendly, and he wants to destroy you, and he has done an okay job at destroying relationships. So what I'm going to do is challenge you with this one thing. Would you be willing to go home and start on a process, the best you know how, I'm gonna give you some biblical uh, ways that you can bring prayer into your relationship. I am not asking you to do something you normally do not do in terms of speaking. Some of you are saying, I have never prayed out loud in my life. Well, let's take some humility and let me give you the first suggestion in praying together. Pray out loud and make it short. Make it short. The average prayer in the Bible was somewhere between 30 seconds to one minute. One time he prayed in John uh, 17, four minutes. We don't have to make these long, laid out prayers. Make it short. This, is you've never prayed before, this is what it may sound like. God, I've never prayed before out loud. Amen. You did it. It's okay. It's okay. It's honored. He says, I'll release the angels to have power in your life. This isn't you trying to pretend like you're somebody different. I didn't walk in today, and I'm not knocking you. I'm just wanting you to just be honest with yourself. I didn't walk in and say to Bill, oh, how goeth thou thou the You know, You don't have to talk like that. You would just say, hi. Make it short. Make it regular. I like to pick a time. I used to. Nancy and I used to pick a certain time so it wouldn't escape us. Now because of having as many grandchildren as we have and children we, it, we don't even have to pick a time it just opportunity comes a lot and so we pray we make it short we make it regular make it specific God loves the petitions specifically for instance bless the universe it's not real specific it's a nice prayer okay Make it specific. This next two are key because if you apply these that I'm telling you in the wrong manner, you actually bring it in the wedge your relationship again. It actually will separate you. It does say the prayers of the children were divisive because they basically prayed in arrogance. Here's the first one Your job here is not to pray at the other person, it's to pray with the other person. You know the difference? You know the difference? Let's say that uh, Nancy and I have been working on simplifying our life, simplifying our budget, trying to really say, let's get things in order. Uh, Looks like hard times are coming, let's reduce our budget. And we agree, let's do that, let's really simplify. I come home and here she drives in and she says, can you give me a hand, I've just been to TJ Maxx. It probably wouldn't be a good time for me to say, I think it's time to pray. Oh Lord, remind us of the commitment we made. Okay. This will drive it out. This will drive it out. It does not welcome it in. It does not cause oneness. It causes division. Do not pray at the other person. Don't pray that they will hear what you're praying. Pray with the other person. You know what? If Nancy and I are in a knockdown, drag down, fight disagreement. Both of us are willing to pray for the protection of one of our grandchildren. It doesn't even dawn on us that we're not doing so well. Does that make sense? Do not pray at another person. Don't use prayer in an arrogant way which brings demonic in. I believe if you will apply this principle, that wedge and the enemy loses his grip and his power and the wedge pushes out, and you two start to unite as one, and you reflect the very image of God, the way marriage and relationships were designed. Again, those of you that aren't married, don't think, well, this wasn't for me. It is for you. You have a lot of relationships in your life. Apply it in those relationships. Here's another thing that I think is very, very crucial. Pray underneath the proper authority that God has given you. Let me give you two scenarios here. Pray underneath the proper authorities. That means this. If we decide that we're going to pray, and let's say that uh, simply we are praying for, uh, Donovan has something come up, and he calls me and says, could you pray for this in our home? There's been some things happening at school. And Nancy and I say, we'd love to do that, so we purpose to make that very specific, very short. Then I would go ahead and say, honey, uh, let's go ahead and pray for Donovan. Let's say she doesn't feel like praying well, I don't want to go ahead and try to force her to pray and cause division. I would say, do you mind if I go ahead and pray anyway? She doesn't really care if I'm praying for you and your family because it's not anything against her, so I would go ahead and, and pray. Now, let's say that I'm, I'm not doing so well. I'm kind of wiped out, and Nancy says, uh, is it okay if we pray for uh, Donovan and Julie and their family right now? And let's say that I say, yeah, go ahead. I just don't really, I'm right, not in it right now. It's okay for Nancy to pray as well. However, if I choose not to partake in the prayer and I'm adamantly against it, Nancy should go ahead and pray but not pray out loud. Because that would be praying out from underneath the covering that has been placed there it says therefore then your prayers are no longer profitable. Now, if you are in here and you're saying, well, I don't like that arrangement, now you've moved into the arrogance and you've moved into bringing demonic. This is the order God gave. Pray together, pray audibly, make it short, make it specific, make it not at each other but with each other, and pray under the right authority. Now, just think about this right now for just a minute and then we'll be done. Look around this room and the room that was filled before you. If we as a body decided to put this into practice and we just fit into a portion of these statistics of one in 10,000, what kind of reflection would we be right now today. It doesn't matter where you've been in the past, what you've done before. I had many people say, I wish that I'd known this before. I wish I'd known this before. But guess what? It's not by wisdom that you look at the former days, Ecclesiastic says. Start today. We could transform these relationships with this one practice today. Are you getting this power? I have only explained to you one example, which is marriage. What if we began to put prayer into all kinds of different examples that are mentioned in Ephesians? Would we not ignite the armor and walk around with loaded armor, ready to live the Christian life and reflect to a world that is so looking for something that is real and authentic? We have the ability here by putting this one thing into practice. I'm just challenging you. See what happens. What can you hurt? We're all jumping into this carbon dioxide 50-50 chance. Why not at least give it a shot? As Tom comes up, would you pray with me? Father, this is so simple. It it reminds me of your word that says that, that we will stay with the simplicity of Christ and him alone. We will boast not in anything except for boast in you. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would so flow amongst these people here and myself that would guard us and protect us from the enemy, and that we would go ahead and be willing, Father, to step in by faith and basically test your power and your word. Give us the strength. Chase away the enemy and his accusations. And I ask this in Jesus' name. I want to read something real close right before Tom does his song. This was written by Andrew Murray. He was an old saint way, way long, long ago, and he writes this. The enemy uses all his power to lead Christians, to neglect prayer. He knows that however admirable the sermon could be or however attractive your service and your giving might be, none of these things really can damage him or his kingdom if prayer is neglected. When the church shuts herself up in the holy room of the inner chamber and gets on their knees, power from on high is released The powers of darkness will be shaken. Souls will continually be delivered. The weapon will surely give victory. So Satan tries to take away the weapon from his opponent. It is the conflict between Satan and the believer. God's child can conquer everything, igniting his armor by prayer. Is it any wonder that Satan does his utmost to snatch the weapon from the Christian in order to hinder him? The use of it. By temptation or just all sorts of distractions, he will prevent it. But happy is the prayer hero who goes through it and holds fast to his weapon. Remember our Lord at Gethsemane, the more violently the enemy attacked, the more earnestly he prayed and he ceased not till he had obtained the victory. For without prayer, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of spirit have no power. It depends on prayer, and you release yourself to it.